All right, this is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we're going to try something a little bit different. We're going to try to do a video and a podcast at the same time and see how that works out. Um, here comes our theme song. We've got a really super exciting episode today. We're going to catch up. We've got so much to talk about. Today we're going to try to do the video, we're going to see how that turns out. It may be, uh, you know, not so good, we'll see. If it's not so good, we won't do it again. If it turns out okay, we will do it again, alright? So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share my screen with you, and that way you can kind of see some of the pictures of the rocks and things like that. Um, some news going on right now is... I only did the, I'm only doing the rock uh, podcast, rock hounding podcast, gems, minerals, and all that good stuff, fossils, probably every other week. I'm doing a, um, a business, a handyman business here in North Idaho, and um, been trying to build it overnight. Let me turn that off. It's just playing the next... Uh, podcast is what's happening so I will just get rid of that all right <laughs> this is a learning experience but anyway what I want to tell you is thank you for subscribing and liking um, haven't been spending much time on Facebook but we're on MeWe. Um, we are on locals Gitter got a few videos on rumble lots of videos on YouTube got our blog got uh, parlor and stuff like that. A lot of alternative media, so there's a little more freedom there, and I appreciate that. So if that's something you like, great. Come on down, join our community. On MeWe, we've got like 3,500 members from all over the world. It's even bigger than my Facebook group, I think. So um, it's really a, a good a good group to go to in a decent format. So yeah, I'm going to be doing the podcast every other week because I'm building this this handyman business. And uh, I've had to just cut back and, and not do as many fun things as I like. And rocks and minerals is a fun thing that I really enjoy. So let's get right into today's exciting episode. Um, man, I've got so much to tell you about. It's going to blow you away. We've got stuff on emeralds, Nevada gemstones, a discovery in San Diego. Discoveries all over the world. We've got pink rocks, blue rocks, red rocks, um, birthstones, and so much more. So let's get right into it. Um, here we see there was a fire opal discovery here. If you go to farmweekly.com in Australia, uh, Brooke Littlewood lets us know about this. Here they are digging 
Uh, also, they call it fossicking instead of rock hounding. Our friends in Australia, the Golden Outback, um, you can see here that they have found some stones and it tells you about this beautiful fire opal here. You can see the pictures of the stones that they found and this has been recorded on the Discovery Channel. So um, they'll probably have a show here where you can watch that. It tells a history about uh, Cooper Pedley who is a uh, opal hunter since he was about 16 years old. You can see now he looks like he's up there in age a little bit and um, he is having a lot of fun uh, the red is from iron. That is what gives the opal its red color. And uh, they sell this. They make profit. Um, they make jewelry for fun and everything else. Here's some nice opal right there. If you can see the video, you can see the beautiful fiery color there. It is a fun thing to collect opal. Here it is polished in 14 karat gold uh, studs for earrings. Looks really nice on the rose gold because it is kind of a golden... Uh, yellow to golden orange, almost a red color sometimes in the darker hues that you would find. And it just takes an eye. you got to see an eye for it. Um, I know when the sun is sitting at a certain angle, kind of low, it shines. Sometimes you can, these things just pop right out from a deep orange to a pale yellow. Um, they found about 30 kilograms of, of triple A quality fire opal. Uh, valued at $250,000. So this is a good season for them. Uh, certainly very profitable. They made their whole year's worth of money there. I, I would love uh, just to go collect one small one, let alone, you know, $250,000 worth. That's, that's just crazy. So there you go right there. If you want to find out more about it, you can look that up. Now, next on our agenda... March is the month of birthstones of aqua marine. Um, Mind Mingles is credited with writing this. You can see it at Daily Bay 1T. So it's Daily Bay O-N-E-T.com. And you can read all about um, some of the metaphysics stuff on aqua marine is written there to let you know how calming it is. The history of it is there because aquamarine obviously means from water of the sea. It is marine. You can see it in the name, aqua, which is water. So this was believed to have the power to protect people from drowning. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to work too good, but uh, it is a March birthstone. It is beautiful. Blue is a favorite color of gemstones uh, in many, many cases. Go into the healing uh properties. Also, it promotes peacefulness and protection and all this other good stuff. And then they have some ideas where you could buy it, um, how to buy it. You know, the color, the darker the color, the more the value, right? Um, the lighter the color, well, it might be a little bit cheaper in that case. So aquamarine is uh, the burl family, same family as emeralds and stuff like that. So, um, could be a little bit fragile, but certainly a beautiful stone that you'd want to add to your collection. Here's something I wanted to share with you. On marketscale.com, uh, Tyler Kern tells us about metal detecting with Daisy. There's a video here. I'm not going to play it right now, but she's showing the Garrett metal detectors. And um, she 
is taking you through and showing you how to do metal detecting. You can check her out on her YouTube channel. Um, very young gal for what you would expect of a uh, metal detector. And uh, you can go through her adventure with her on this metal detector. I thought that might be interesting for you. Again, marketscale.com. Discover the truth, metal detecting with Discovery Daisy. Now, you can go, and we've talked about this before, you can go to different museums around the country, and they are putting on things to help identify fossils, rocks, and more at the Museum of Geology here at kotatv.com. You can find out more about it. Um, Jeffrey Lindenblom tells us about what's happening here in Rapid City, South Dakota, you could go down there and take some rocks and these volunteers that are geologists are going to help you um, find out what it is that you found. And a lot of these rocks, they say there's about 20 minerals or so that are pretty common, but sometimes they find some pretty unusual things and uh, that can be exciting to have your rock or mineral uh, told to you what the heck it is. This is the same thing true with the gym and mineral clubs. Uh, there's many knowledgeable members at the gym and mineral clubs. Right here's the Orange Belt Mineralogical Society. They're located in San Bernardino, California. Uh, a lot of great people there. It's been around for a long time. Um, membership is very affordable, but what I like is the field trips. A lot of these clubs have field trips. The Hauser Bed is a beautiful place for geodes, the potato patch, other rocks you can see there, the cinnamon beds, the strawberry patch. All these are famous collecting areas where beautiful uh, nodules and agates. And they have another uh, field trip here. They seem to be charging $20 because I think this is a claim to go get the Coahif Cave Onyx, known as Cave Popcorn. It grows from stalactites and stalagmites, and it also fluoresces a green or an orange under a UV light. These are some of the agates that you can find um, there at the Wiley Wells area, the Hauser beds, beautiful rocks. That's the cave onyx right there next, right here. Here it is when it's cut. And you see how you see those orbs of how this, uh, this uh, calcium was dripping like a calcite. Also, there's a bunch of miscellaneous fossils there, little shards and stuff. So this can be a really enjoyable thing to do and to look at. Um, I thought this was pretty interesting. China is showing all these antiquities um, in the place where the Hong Kong Flui started um, that we're all so fond of and uh, like to uh, you know, avoid as much as possible, right? So here you have some ancient turquoise um, from China. And you can scroll through these uh, things here. You just go to china.org.cn, Ancient Chinese Calais Antiquities on display in Wuhan. Wuhan and they'll be there, um, well, it looks like they're over now. It's already the 21st. So, But I thought some of the pictures, and I'm not going to scroll through and throw them all out at you. You can go look these up yourself. But there's several pictures of this ancient turquoise um, beautiful, you know, the Chinese and the Japanese and their culture has adored also Iran and Iraq and stuff like that. I mean, 
Turquoise has been extremely valued since the times of antiquity. Also, South America, North America, Native uh, Americans have enjoyed this and decorated themselves with this stone since the beginning of time. Now, we will talk about that in a minute. I want to look at how to make wire gem trees. Now, I'm not going to go into it big time, but again, I always talk about rock and gem. Um, you can go to Rock and Gym. You can subscribe to their emails, and they'll send you these articles free all the time. Now, I have the magazine. I've subscribed to the magazine. It's a great magazine. I think anybody that's a rock hound or lapidarius should be subscribing, but they talk about these beginning designs, some of the materials. A lot of people just use beads, but you can get creative and use gemstones that you had uh, made, and you can drill through them with a Dremel with a diamond bit. And uh, they talk about adding it and uh, how they're selling. Here's a couple different descriptions of the Tree of Life, um, incorporating multiple colors and gems. This can be very beautiful. This is one that's on a carnelia base. Beautiful gemstone. Also, uh, it can be incorporated into a pennant, right? Here's a Tree of Life pennant. They've done some wire wrapping and uh, wire with gemstones floating around in there to look like a tree around your neck. And there's several different examples. The yellow gem mine they talk about. Uh, the yellow gem mine, you can, you can email this family if you want. They have some beautiful specimens from a mine where they climb some 700 feet to get the honey opal that's collected at the yellow gem mine in Idaho. And I've heard about... Um, some of the opal in uh, Idaho is very hard and rare to get to, but uh, and few and far be between are found. But here it is. It says, occasionally while digging, faceted grade pieces roll out right out of the muck. Some pieces have beautiful black magnesium oxide dendrites shaped like snowflakes or water plants. Interesting opal is found in striking palette of yellow shades ranging from yellow to deep yellow, golden, amber, root beer, and a few rare, very rare red or striped specimens of this gemstone. And they have a picture of that there as well. So pretty cool. Um, there's also a nice uh, opal area in Kramer, uh, around Kramer Junction in California. And if you join one of the local um, gem clubs out there they have trips out there all the time i've been on trips out there and uh, the opal is pretty cool now real and fake gemstones how do you tell the difference well you know it takes time right it takes experience when you're handling gemstones and you're polishing them and you're working with them you start to learn certain qualities that help you become familiar with them um, somebody that has a grinding stone is going to find out very quickly if a gem has likely been treated or is fake. You know, I have to stop once in a while and take a swig of my coffee, so you have to, you'll have to endure that. Sorry. The importance of real versus fake uh, can be found here at SouthernMarylandChronicle.com, and. Um, there's no person accredited with this, but they've got four tips, knowing your different kinds of stones, diamonds, emeralds, rubies, and sapphires. We're talking about precious gemstones here. They talk about asking the right questions and looking at the seller, understanding different terminology, and buying from reputable sources. But in reality, 
Getting familiar with the stone and their hardness and also certain types of gym tests can be purchased. And we will look at a place where you can buy those uh, possibly today. If you go to RioGrande.com, they have gemstone tests that you can buy where you can actually test different types of gemstones um, to ensure that they are real. Now, as we said, March is the birthstone of aquamarine. Our friends at Rock and Gem, again, rockandgem.com, Burl Colors and Names. Burl is um, one of the gemstones that is common in March. Also, by the way, emeralds, you know, is also Burl family, and uh, because of St. Patrick's Day, is quite popular gemstone. We'll talk about that. But here you can see Burl Colors are varied to include aquamarine, morganite, which is a pink to kind of an orangish color, um, you've got all these different colors as far as pink, blue, golden, yellow colors. You've got beryl, berlinium, aluminum, silicate, um, and all sorts of other things that give you different colors. Usually these are long, elongated crystals, six-sided typically, and um, very beautiful. The hardness of the beryl can be seven to eight. Um, like I said, emeralds can chip easy on the corners because of the way the crystals stretch. They stretch out lengthwise longer, so they are strong at one point, but kind of brittle um, down the edges. So um, different minerals that are inside the burl is what gives it its different color variations. And then here you have green, but not an emerald connection. It says, emerald usually occurs only in small crystals and tends to be heavily flawed with cracks, inclusions, um, and so on. But green beryl is a pale green variety that gem gemologists do not equate with emerald. It's pale because it's caused by a uh, sort of an iron, a ferrous ion, and that replaces the, the other ions and the aluminum ions and gives it this muddied color or this greenish color or yellowish color. It's never been the most popular color. Um, of course, the most popular is aquamarine, the blues, the pinks, um, and the yellows, and not kind of the dirty colors like that. Um, it goes into some of the beautiful colors that you can find in variations with morganite, all the way from pink, as we said, to purplish pink and orange pink, and um, why that occurs because of the different minerals that are in there. Um, if you can get a morganite that's over five carats, you have got a zeppelin. Those are very popular as engagement rings right now. Um, purple, that that is beautiful. And then red burl, which you can get in Utah, very rare colors, rarest color of all is red. And uh, that those can be found in Utah and bought in Utah. And uh, this is because of manganese, so that's uh, ions that replace the aluminum ions again and then uh, makes it have this different color. So pretty cool. I uh, love Rock and Jim. They always have lots of great information that you can check out. How about Orbicular Bloodstone Jasper? Here's another Rock and Jim uh, freebie that they emailed me. You can look it up, Orbicular Bloodstone Jasper. This comes in a variety of colors, typically greens. This one happens to have some red uh, orbs with circled with green orbs with a lighter yellowish color, and uh, it is beautiful. They talk about how to buy orbicular jasper. 
course, you can buy it, you know, on the internet, eBay, Facebook, all this stuff, um, in the uh, rough or slab groups that they have there. This is um, a jasper type. Um, you want to find a piece that doesn't have a lot of fractures because when you make it into a cabochon, you don't want it to break a piece into pieces. And they tell you how to slab it. Um, there's not a particular exact right way to do it. Again, I think just keeping an eye out for weaknesses in the structure of the stone is most important. Um, you may not want to cut this super, super thin. You may want a thicker slab, um, you know, uh, depending on what you're going to do. If you have a color change, which they do have a beautiful picture of some orbicular jasper that they've cut into three hearts. It's one big heart in the middle with two little hearts attached on the edges, and they're not attached, it's natural. Um, it's just carved that way, to look that way. And on the left is green, uh, with orbs of green and red, and then on the other side is red, with orbs of mostly orange and lighter color. So pretty cool to see the color transition. I've seen a picture of that before, it's quite, uh, quite nice. Now, um, Alberta's official gemstone has been announced in uh, Canada, the globalnews.ca, you can read about it. Jacqueline uh, Kutsi tells us that uh, they are announcing the uh, amylite as the official gemstone. It says uh, it is one of the rarest gemstones in the world. I believe we've talked about this before. This is like a uh, uh, ammonite that has kind of, it looks opalized. Um, what has happened here is there is um, certain substances that are underneath that are catching lights and giving it a very iridescent look. There can be Purple, blue, dark blue, light blue, greens, yellows, golds, oranges, reds, um, beautiful. I have a small piece of this stuff. I did not know it was going to be so valuable, but uh, this is becoming extremely rare and extremely valuable. They have a video on it where you can see this very rare uh, situation that happens. And I forget there was some sort of a, a mineral that is that it petrifies with that gets underneath it that causes that to happen and um, yeah it says here uh, he had one stone that he had found and uh, somebody offered him $350 and uh, that kind of was like hmm wow you know maybe uh, maybe I, I'm on to something here so it seems like it turned into quite a uh, uh, valuable profitable hobby for him and this has been declared their uh, gemstone. So pretty cool, beautiful gemstone. Again, very iridescent, looks like opal in a way, but uh, no color change, the color stays the same, but very beautiful. All right, next. Idaho Champion Gold Mines Reports, uh, 2021 drilling results from the Champion Report. This here is on the uh, JuniorMiningNetwork.com. If you're interested in mining ventures, mining properties, or just mining news, this is something you'll want to get hooked up with. You can find out about these new drilling areas. Um, they're pretty excited about this area. They've been finding a lot of gold at higher values and silver as well. 
and um, they do specify these lines where they're doing this drilling and uh, they try to come up with the amount of reserves that they think that they have and um, a lot of times this is kind of pumped up to get investors excited I think but uh, pretty cool they do talk about how they drill how they've come up with these samples this is how they calculate how thick the veins are and how far down they go and how valuable they are um, and then you know once they start digging then will that really back up um, the findings and the claims that they have so they feel that they have a pretty good uh, potential of some more gold and silver and things like that in this area. If you want to check that out and you're into that, you can go do that. Oh, my dog is uh, being being funny. Um, let's see. I want to... Let me let him out here. Sorry about that. There's nobody else here but me. There he goes. He's on his way. Okay, drone-based mineral exp uh, exploration. Looks like they want me to sign up for something, but uh, autoeconomictimes.indiatimes.com talks about how they're utilizing these uh, drones to map out mineral areas. Very interesting. I'm not going to go into it in depth. Um, the article is kind of uh, short. But uh, this is what they are doing in India and other countries to find out what is going on. They use a, a UAV. Um, they use uh, different types of spectrometers and they look for heavier gravitational pulls. Um, they map out, you know, areas that are heavily grown. They try and map them out better so that they can see what the potential is for this uh, mining. So kind of interesting, a little bit different. Now, if you're into gold mines, our friends at the Gold Rush Expeditions, they always have a lot of uh, properties for sale, gold mines, silver mines, gemstone mines, a lot of stuff going on in Montana. This is one I really thought was cool. It's in Granite County, Montana, pretty close to Missoula. If I had uh, the money, I would probably be going and checking this out. Very productive area. It says the Moonlight property is part of a high-value Montana mining site that has been largely forgotten. And, uh, and I don't know that it's been completely forgotten because there's still a lot of history on it. I did a little bit of research on this. And uh, they have found gold, silver, and copper there. And the values are in copper and gold. I personally like copper areas because those are areas where you could find, you know, um, azurite, malachite, you know, other really interesting copper minerals. They have a lot of really cool pictures of the mine as they explore it and they show you some of the little veinlets. This area has uh, a lot of veinlets. They found free gold in some of the old samples and uh, you can see that it is a premium there. It's kind of cool. I love just going through and looking at these properties. If you like mining, rock hounding, things like that, mostly it's mining, but sometimes, you know, there's opportunity for rock hounding in these type of spots too. So you don't want to be closed-minded to it. And even though this is a claim, you know, you look for a creek bed or something that's open in this area 
and like down in here, like maybe where the road is, you could go over there and poke around by the road there where it's, where it's more of a public property. And, uh, you know, you may not be able to go run off into this claim, but right here, looks like there's a creek that goes through and you could go over there and right by the road and check it out. You're not going to get in trouble for there. You can't open up a mining operation or anything, but you can certainly, you can certainly poke around right there, I would think, without uh, uh, too much problem. All right. So how a fossil with 10 arms. Um, this is a blood sucking vampire. And um, it, it says name, it's named after Joe Biden. So I thought it was interesting. You go to uh, WLRN.org and you can find out about this uh, Joe Biden vampire squid with 10 arms. There's a, a nice picture of part of the fossil, which they will explain to you how that all works out. It's found in some limestones at Bear Gulch in Montana. And uh, it was a soft-bodied creature related to octopuses and squid. And it had 10 arms, the only known vam vampirod to do so, according to this. And, uh, you know, all squids do that, though. They all latch onto something and, and bite on it, or they, they catch what they can. But a large squid, the giant squids, we know, take giant bites out of the wells. So this was uh, accredited to Christopher Integlita. And I probably slaughtered his name, but there it is. Levite, Levite Michael Levite, and Ian Bayer and Christopher uh, which the name I can't pronounce his last name. It's too tricky. Fossil leads to discovery of saber-toothed predator and how fallen meteorites can be used, uh, can be found, rather, by using AI at theprint.in. You can read about this. Pretty cool article. They have an interesting stone there that is supposed to be um, from Poland. And uh, they said that this... Carnivorous mammal, it's a saber-toothed new species. It was found in San Diego, um, California, and it is going to be housed at the San Diego Natural uh, History Museum. And they say that it's very, very old. It's a completely new species. It is uh, has the lower jaw and well-preserved teeth, and uh, they feel that this is some really good information. And they go into some other articles if you want to find out about that, you can go do it. I thought that was kind of cool. Here's another article on the saber-toothed predator. Um, this is all that's interesting.com. They have a depiction here of this cat that was found at a construction site. Um, Marco Margaritoff is the one who uh, has told us about this. It was discovered quite a while ago. But uh, it was in a drawer for a long time. Now it's out, and they're saying, hey, this is a brand-new animal. And this creature roamed San Diego Hills um, eating uh, people and animals quite a while ago. I don't know if it ate people or not, but, you know, there it is. They think it's uh, millions and millions of years old, and someone will probably come along and say something else. He's got a picture of it where he's – there's a picture here where he's holding part of the bone in his hand. Um, it doesn't seem huge. It seems like, uh, you know, definitely bigger than a house cat, but not like the giant uh, saber tooth that we're accustomed to seeing. Not quite that big. They have found part of the fang, they say, 
It's all broken though, but there it is. Pretty cool. There is one fang there. I mean, the tooth looks a little bit bigger than a house cat, maybe twice as long, maybe twice as thick. I'm sure, I'm sure it wouldn't be fun to get bit by it. Okay, Natural History Museum, rhodochrosite. Beautiful, beautiful. When you find it in its pure form, crystal cubes is how it occasionally and often will form when it is these beautiful, glowing, deep red crystals. I love it. Rhodochrosite crystals from the Good Luck Pocket in uh, Colorado. Some beautiful specimens have come out of there. They're on display um, at this museum. And uh, which museum is it? The Natural History Museum. That's what it says. So this probably is in Colorado. It just says Natural History Museum. If you go to nhm.ac.uk, you can look it up. Stunning bright blue Red and pink minerals go on display at the museum. After they talk about the rhodochrosite, they talk about several other ones. Um, usually, it's not quite that red. It's more uh, rhodochrosite is kind of pale, milky pink with banding. It can be um, beautiful deep red like the ones that we just talked about from the Good Luck Pocket. It's Greek word. Rhodochrosite is a Greek word, which means rose-colored. And uh, this other particular specimen that is a lighter pink um, is actually a morganite, the one that I'm looking at right now. But uh, it says that that specimen was, was the red specimen was discovered at the Sweet Home Mine in Colorado in 1873. And finally it made its way into the museum uh, in the 90s apparently. So pretty cool. Also, they have a beautiful specimen of morganite here. The morganite is uh, a pink colored, very beautiful. Also, they will find uh, aquamarine and green emeralds in these types of uh, deposits, but not necessarily every time. When you find these type of rocks, uh, burl, it is usually found in a, um, a pocket or, or like a vein called a pegmatite. And pegmatites can have a whole variety of gemstones in it. can be a real cornucopia. And in this pegmatite, burl will grow. Rubies will grow. Um, yeah, all these beautiful gemstones will grow. There's some tanzanite that they have a picture of here. Um, tanzanite is actually a type of uh, zoisite. And uh, very rare, only found in Tanzania. Beautiful gemstones that can be found at the Natural History Museum in London. Only found in the hills of uh, Tanzania out there in Africa. Beautiful gemstone that you can check out. They have some beautiful pictures here on the website if you want to check that out. What to cut? Um, green Jasper, uh, Gary Green Jasper to be exact. Our friends at Rock and Gem have a picture of it here. Quite beautiful. Um, a blue-green with a brown-green and an olive-green carved into a heart. Uh, heart shape uh, is beautiful. This particular jasper is said to be made from petrified bogwood at the um, McDermott area in Nevada, Oregon border. 
and it is very unique and very beautiful. If you ever get a chance, you will want to you want to cut this. Um, it comes in pinks, oranges, browns, and uh, patterns look like limb cuts, but you can find orbs, patterns, and blue mountain and royal imperial jaspers also um, do have some of the same thing. Let's see if there's anyone credited to this. No, there's not. Also, Gary Green Jasper is being mined by the West Coast Gemstone Mining Company. It's sold at the Polka Dot Agate Mine at the uh, Caldera Rock Shop in McDermott. And you can also buy the material from Aaron Buell on Facebook. This is really beautiful stuff, too. Um, it does kind of look like a bog jasper to me as well. It has blues. It has reds, oranges, greens light blue, uh, just beautiful yellows, a uh, little bit of almost white. The colors are striking for very green jasper. You definitely want this. The slabbing process, uh, they say generally cut the short ends of the stone. That way you can see where the best patterns are and uh, look for the most desirable pattern. There can be bugs and pits in this gemstone but uh, you can incorporate that into your cabochon or you can continue to cut until you have a slab with no blemishes at all. Um, they say make sure that you do a fracture test. Um, you don't want this thing to break. They say drop it on a flat bench from four to six inches up. If it doesn't split, it should be okay to start trimming. I usually, you know, if I suspect a crack, I usually just kind of feel it with my hand and, and, and bend it a little bit. I mean, another way to kind of prevent something from fracturing, um, of course, you can treat it. I have a YouTube video on how to harden um, stones if you feel that there's a risk of it fracturing. Um, another thing you can do is don't hit it with a 60 or an 80 grit wheel. They suggest here to start using a 60 or an 80 grit wheel. If you're afraid it's going to fracture, use a worn 100 grit or less to grind it. It takes more time, but the those lower grit uh, 60s and 80s, they can be very rough and make a gemstone crack um, as you're shaping it. So that's another suggestion I have to you. They said finally go down to a 14,000 grit stage for the polish. After you go through all the stages, you know, you go your 100, you go your 220, you could go 350 if you want, or you can go right to four, and then to six, and then 1400. And that is going to give you a, a, like a polish that looks like it's wet. They even say that there is a 50,000 grit resin wheel where you can really get it a touch more shine than even that. So, I mean, wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah. It says the stories by Russ Kuntium. Kuntnathan. Yeah, so the article is credited at the very end by Rock and Jim there. We always want to give credit where credit is due. It's only fair. Um, emeralds. Yeah, we had St. Patty's Day there. My kids wanted me to build a trap. Um, my son suggested I get a rat trap and uh, lure the little uh, leprechaun in there. And then when he gets his brain snapped off, he said that they bleed uh, candy. Yeah. Nice, nice. I don't know where they learned this stuff. I certainly didn't teach them that. Emeralds, again, or burl, which we talked about. It's birthstone of May and uh, symbolizes royalty. 
I've always loved the dark, deep green, natural emerald. They're all being lab created nowadays, which, man, I'd rather have, I'd rather have a not perfect natural emerald any day over the most perfect, beautiful lab created one you could ever find. And, and I don't care if, if 99% of the people said, your natural emerald is ugly, I would rather have a real high quality gemstone that is lab created, I still would take that old, dirty, pitted, uh, dark, cloudy emerald that doesn't have hardly any clearness in it over a fake one any day of the week. That's just me. Um, but it is what it is. If you really love the color and you're willing to pay for a lab created gemstone, then you know it's, uh, it's a free country, so they say. All right. So, chromium and vandium and iron dictate the hue and the richness of the emerald and how dark, bright green it will be. And uh, you want it really dark, deep, clear green with as little um, impurities. But, uh, man, it's so hard to find an emerald without a little, uh, a little bit of, uh, you know... Uh, a little ding or a little, not a ding, but an inclusion, inclusion. So emerald inclusions are very, very, you're going to see a lot of them. And if you can find one that is inclusion-free, that is going to be a grade A choice gemstone because you just, there's just so many of them. And emeralds usually don't come really big, giant size. So uh, to find a big one that is very clear and clean is amazing. They have a little article, uh, a little chapter on aquamarine versus emerald and uh, how how they are different. Well, it's the environment where they are formed. Sedimentary shell stones are where emeralds are particularly found between the pegmatites and the high-grade metam high metamorphic rocks such as the schist. And aquamarines are actually in the pegmatite. You will not find emeralds directly in the, in the pegmatite, so they will be around or next to it. So special special environment. Um, Colombian emeralds are some of the most beautiful, well-known examples of emeralds, and there are some spectacular ones that have come out of there over the decades. They go into how they're formed. They go into the ion uh, the iron removal and how that happens. There are some rare Colombian surprises on emeralds where you will actually see a uh, what's called a tarpichi growth in an emerald where you have another color variation where it almost looks like a star um, or, or some kind of an alien eyeball. And this rare, rare growth is extremely rare, extremely valuable. And they are called, um, it comes from the word Colombian grinding wheel because it kind of looks like an old school wheel, I guess. But if you can find one of those, wow, unbelievable. If you can see the video on this, if the video works out, I'm kind of experimenting right now with the uh, anchor uh, video for this. And I'm trying to do screen share, so it may not work. But if it does work, you can go and check out all this. Again, this is our friends at Rock and Jim. Zambia emeralds have become quite popular in the market. They do seem to be a bit more fractured. Um, 
and they are not quite as valuable as the Colombian emeralds. Brazil emeralds are very, very uh, valuable as well. They account for about 10% of the emeralds that are mined, and the largest emeralds um, that are record breakers have been found in Carnambia, and they have been found at up to 38 pounds. So 86,136 carats, uh, that is one of the records. And then a large, the largest natural uncut single emerald was found in Colombia in 1969. It was 7,205 carats, nearly three pounds, called the Amelia Crystal. And then another record was broke recently for the 794-pound, 4.3-foot-tall matrix specimen that was unearthed in 2017. It took two men... Uh, 10 men, rather, a week to get this specimen out from under the ground. It was almost 650 feet under the ground and valued at $309 million. Also, emeralds have been found in China. Um, they're very unique because of uh, the vandium rather than chromium that makes the, uh, the color. And uh, they're kind of a lighter color. They kind of look uh, almost like they're glowing in this picture. So a nice lemon-lime contrast kinds to, uh, kind of shows up in this. Then they talk about emeralds around the world where you can see all about these. And then the United States, there is emeralds as well that have been discovered in North Carolina. These are quite valuable um, and very collectible. So you're going to pay top dollar for these Hiddenite emeralds. But you can also go and mine. There's an area over there, the Hiddenite area, where you can actually mine some of these beautiful emeralds. And the latest one uh, was measured was 10 inches and sold for $155,000 at a Beverly Hills auction. And uh, some other ones up to 65 carats and 310 carats have been found from this area. And then finally, the article goes into dig-it-yourself emeralds that I kind of touched on. Um, the emeraldhollowmine.com. If you look that up, emeraldhollowmine.com, North Carolina, um, you will be able to find some small to big record uh, record breaking emeralds there, and uh, so you have a chance. The Mountain Area Gem and Mineral Association is uh, also can be looked at. You go to wncrocks.com and you can find out about how they are um, getting access to these three-dimensional crystals with eye-popping specimens, small patches of green, very beautiful, um, along with uh, feldspar, quartz, black tourmaline, and garnet. The claim is managed by the club there, by this mineral association and you might be able to uh, hook up with them and mine some of these. Very cool, very beautiful, and uh, total St. Patrick's Day. Lick Creek. Lick Creek. I'm not telling you to lick a creek. I'm talking about a creek called Lick Creek. This is a gold mining area in Idaho. Um, you can go on to eBay and look it up. It's a 20-acre gold mining placer claim on Lick Creek. I'd never heard of this area. But uh, it's pretty cool, and you can go there. This area was uh, pretty popular at the early turn of the century. 
uh, called Valley Country uh, under Idaho or Boise counties. And in 1946, uh, they found some 96,576 ounces of gold through um, 1917 to 1942. The production from 1917 to 1958 was 324,460 ounces mined a lot from uh, deposits, but also these uh, placer gold. There's a lot of history in this area. There's a triangular shaped area in uh, Edwardsburg and the apex at the Yellow Pine and Thunder Mountain districts, southwest, southeast corners respectively. The triangle's about 15 miles and there um, is only minor gold production there at this time. But uh, it was a pretty cool area. The county is in Valley County along the Meridian. They have some beautiful pictures here. It looks like a really nice area to go in the uh, late spring to summer. If you're interested in that, you check that out. Gems, Caves, and Stars, Nevada's Most Glittering Experiences. You can go to LonelyPlanet.com and look this up by Bailey Freeman. She talks about Nevada is... Uh, not just uh, glittery because of, you know, all the gambling and all the stars that are there, but they have a beautiful picture of uh, some, uh, some turquoise there, and they talk about where you can mine it. This is a beautiful green-blue turquoise uh, being pulled out of its host rock. One of them there is crossing across three fingers of the individual who has it, so um, some pretty good pieces. You can dig into rock hounding here. They have a lot of areas that you can go in this article. Again, LonelyPlanet.com. Just look that up and you can find out all about it. Um, there's quartz, chalcedony, black fire opal, serpentine, jasper, and garnet, just to name a few. They've highlighted four sites here. Jimfield. Jimfield is uh, an area where you can dig. There's dig sites. There is green shades of... Uh, of serpentine, there is chalcedony with Saturn rings around it of orange and white. Uh, also, it's only a dollar a pound. They have a box there, so it's a trust. Uh, trust. Wow, that's nice. Nobody does that anymore. Um, the Oatsen Brothers turquoise. Here, you're going to pay about for a half a day. You're going to pay uh, 150 for a tour or 250 per couple, and the price covers the stones you take. Home kids that you bring are free. Beautiful types of varieties of turquoise and colors and textures and patterns. It is tough. You are going to have to use a rock hammer, a bucket, and gloves. But uh, you can dig turquoise. I mean, what the heck? Um, garnet Hill. They've got a picture of a beautiful garnet here. You can go there and mine these garnets. They were found about 1870. They look like ru like blood red rubies. About 20 minutes outside of Eli, Nevada, in the northern part of the state, you get some beautiful gemstones suitable for jewelry making or just to show off to your friends. They talk about rock hounding responsibly. You know, take an take a extra piece of trash home. Don't leave an extra piece of trash behind. That's, that's what our rule is. They talk about the uh, Great Basin National Park. If you want to go check out an awesome cave, Man, this cave is just so cool. You can go there and check out these stalactites and stalagmites. 
and uh, it looks like a cathedral there. It's just wild, wild. You can go check that out. Great Basin to the uh, Lehman Caves and Limestone Tunnels featuring more than 500 rare cave shields, unique formations dripping with stalactites um, made of these microscopic crystals that form together. Very interesting. Basin and Range National Monument is also another area you can visit. There is uh, a beautiful area. There's a little uh, video there. You can see some ghost towns out in that area and sagebrush saloons as well if you decide to take a road trip out to Nevada. Now I want to talk about quartz with inclusions. I get an email from time to time. Um, this site sells rocks. Um, again, I, none of these people are sponsors. This is just I get a I get a ton of emails, literally hundreds and hundreds of emails, almost every week, and I go through them, um, and and different sites that I check, and I pick out stuff that I think is the most interesting. There's so much more stuff I could tell you about, but I don't know, you know. Either I've talked about it recently or, you know, whatever. I just don't want to, to bore you with it. But look at these quartz inclusions here on this particular pointed quartz specimen from Brazil. It has this beautiful orange and these clouds that are in it. Another one um, from a mine in uh, Chile has this uh, dark black speckles in the tip of the point. Another one has quartz and pyrite inclusions, golden pyrite off to the right side of the point where it is terminated. This is also found in Brazil. And then um, if it'll load here, I'll show you. And then if you've ever seen the chlorite, quartz with chlorite, this can look like moss inside the chlorite specimen, inside a quartz uh, specimen. It's beautiful. I have a piece of it. It's spectacular. Here's some quartz with amethyst staining around the point, but the tip is still uh, kind of a clear, cloudy color, and then a sort of a pyramid at the bottom of it. Just beautiful. Here's a smoky quartz with some, uh, looks like some rutilation or some uh, types of inclusion spearing off this way and that way. Quite beautiful. Um, quartz crystals, they're cool. A clear quartz crystal, a cloudy quartz crystal, but these quartz that are unique with these different colors, um, with rudels in them, with uh, different designs and stuff, are spectacular. Let's talk about a lost mine. This is the, again, from the uh, Junior Mining. It's a link that they had. You go to lostmines.net, and they talk about all these old lost mines. They've got videos. This one's in Alaska. The uh, Kinnicott Copper Mine. Huge, huge building here. Um, Lost Mine is probably a misnomer. It's just a mine that's no longer working. And this area here started in the 1900s east of Valdez in Alaska. They found a green patch on a hillside. They knew they thought it was grass, but when they got closer, they found out it was something else. It was the richest deposit of copper on the face of the earth um, at that time. They um, invested about $300,000 and developed the mine. In 1903, the Kinnicott Copper Corporation was formed. Uh, several mines, the Bonanza, the Jumbo, the Motherlode, the Uri, the Glacier, all these mines 
were located all around there, and they produced uh, from one tunnel in the Erie, Motherlode, and other mines, the train hauled $250,000 of 70% copper ore. In 1916, the peak year for production, the mines produced copper ore valued at over $32 million. And then all the way up um, until 1938, after 27 years of mining, they produced 4.5 million tons of ore, averaging 13% copper, valued at roughly $270 million at an estimated profit of $100 million. Um, after that closed, the town was never repopulated. It was designated a natural historic landmark in 1986. And uh, much of the area is closed off, which I don't know why you would want to do that. I mean, they, there's probably still a lot of copper in that area to be found and had. But that is the story of the lost mine that I got through that email. Now, NASA Perseverance Mars rover nabs the eighth rock sample on the red planet. Um, they're still looking for life. They still think they're finding water, um, usually when they find out that they don't. But they've got a video here. Here they are getting more samples. These should be heading back to Earth here uh, in another uh, year or so. We will find out about them and find out what they found. But for now, they do believe that these are delta uh, minerals and from water and sodiums and salts and things like that. If you want to check it out, go to space.com. Elizabeth Howell is the one who tells us about that. Prehistoric creatures in L.A. Yes. Yes, the La Brea Tar Pits. I remember going there as a boy. Uh, my father took me there. And uh, this area was filled with prehistoric animals. They continue to find discoveries in there. Uh, I thought I'd just give a quick shout-out to it. It's theepictimes.com. And you can find out more about it. They've got links here to Prehistoric Creatures Rule in the Middle of Los Angeles by Bonnie and Bill Neely. And um, you can read it for free if you want, but you're going to have to give your email uh, if you want to do that. So guys, this was an extremely long Radical Rocks. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope the video turns out. We will see. We'll see if it turns out or not. Oh, my hair. Where's my hair? There it is. Sheesh. I hate when I lose my hair. <sighs> you know? Just, just don't know what to do. Thank you for joining my social media. Um, I'm on MeWe, Parlor, Gitter, Locals, uh, Parlor. I've got Facebook, but I just don't have the time to go on there. And uh, YouTube videos, we've got like, I think, 40 videos. We've got over 150 podcasts. If you want to go through and listen to those, that's great. And um, thank you. And remember, rock hounds don't die. They petrify.